So peace is the equalising pressure on the inside. You need pressure or you'll never learn to rest in the Lord without it. That pressure will drive you to find comfort and solace in Him. Retreating into your spirit man and letting your Martha get on with it. There's a place in God where the storm can rage about you. Your heart laid low may be, but God is round about you. And can you be dismayed? I've said it before that we're living in the very end of the end times and the battle is going to hot up and we need to be prepared. What we're going through now is just boot camp. This isn't the real battlefield. This is manoeuvres. God is training us for the battle. Each soldier must know his place, how to wield his weapon, how to fight, how to stand. And God's looking for real soldiers, not chocolate ones. We can't allow ourselves to be high-maintenance, low-impact people. That Dust Bowl prophecy um, that I'm not sure whether I read the Dust Bowl one earlier on in the week uh, about the, the dust, everything being stirred up. Um, this is God that is doing the stirring and, and there's just trouble everywhere it's because he's just dealing with everything in our lives that has yet remained undealt with and the reason he deals with fear in our lives is that he wants us to be free of it and the way he deals with it is to take us through the very thing we fear um, I had a great fear of dental work so where's he take me? through 18 months of dental work. I mean, the day I had my tooth out, I actually went into shock uh, because, the th oh, well, I won't go into it, but I did, and, and, and I, I thought, I knew I didn't like this. <laughs> but he brought me through it. So if we want to inherit the promises of God and not just waste our lives on what may be good works but not his works, we must learn to sail with the wind and be completely dependent on the Spirit to move us. Life in the Spirit becomes a necessity, not an option. We're all as close to the Lord as we want to be. Rest is a weapon against the enemy. Don't be worried about what comes at you from the outside. Work on your peace level continuously and you'll have plenty of opportunities. Push fear away. I think it's Colin Urquhart says, it's false expectations appearing real. How often have we gone through something, feared all sorts of things, and they've never come about? Galloping case of the what-ifs. What if, what if, what if. It's like the measles. Absolutely galloping case. As I said, I think yesterday or the day before, as I was slipping into sleep on Monday night, I had the thought, I don't have to worry. If I choose that way, I will disturb myself and everyone around me. The situation won't change because I worry. It won't influence anything. I can't worry it to a solution. So if I choose peace and rest, I actually do myself some good. Because I was actually thinking about the physical effects of, uh, of worry on our bodies uh, and, and on stress. And I mean, we know well enough if there's bitterness in our lives, the effect it has on us. Um, that we just need to choose to be at peace for the sake of our physical bodies. And I thought to myself, good thought, good choice. And I know it wasn't my thought, though. It's the Holy Spirit rising to the surface like cream. As I said before this morning, you can't teach on this stuff without continually learning yourself. 
What all this means is that your inner man of the spirit becomes the reference point for what God's doing. You can turn inwardly and find out his perspective on what's happening. You go to a higher level like the giraffe there and you see it from your position in Christ. This isn't fairy tale. This is good, solid, objective teaching on the how-tos of the normal Christian life. And as I said, I take no credit for it. This is God equipping his people. So it's not about your circumstances. It's not about how you feel. It's not about your emotions. Joyce Meyer has got a set of tapes, emotions, the believer's number one enemy. And I believe they are, you know. We're not meant to be living in our soul. We're meant to be living in our spirit. While you keep giving in to your feelings, you will never achieve life in the spirit. You'll find yourself like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. I thought, I thought, I thought, I'm getting a headache, and I thought I'm like the disciples on the road to Emmaus last night. I thought, I thought, I thought, and I thought. Oh, you better get out of that one, then you need a revelatory rationale for what's going on here. <sighs> So we, we don't look to what God is doing through our mind, our intellect, our emotions. We learn to operate through our spirit. And that's what Psalm 91 is all about. Stepping back into your spirit man and feeling God covering you. You'll have to go through things, but you don't have to go through them, through them without his comfort and the knowledge of his presence. You can learn so much through these things. Carnality says, get me out of here. God says, learn what I'm teaching you. I am your rest. Uh, a friend of ours, Penny, she's gone to be with the Lord now. She prof very prophetic. She sat and prophesied over me one night and she kept saying, I am your rest, Beryl. I am your rest and your exceeding great reward. And I'm sitting there saying, no, it's I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And then I suddenly realised, thus saith the Lord, I am your rest. Uh, so I decided I'd best take it on board. I am your rest. I'd learnt to know him as my shield, but now he wanted me to learn about him being my rest. Two different things. There's no other place to go. Where else would we go, the disciples said. Learn to run to him. So life in the spirit's about displacement, about having another thought, about looking at everything differently. The sun's always shining up there. Don't concentrate on pushing stuff off. Go into the inner man of your spirit because God's already put something inside you to meet this situation because he's like that. Whatever you need, he's already given it to you. As I, I said before, if you need, if you ask you to do something, he's given you what you need. So it's thanksgiving, praise and worship. Thank you, Father. You know you're here. I'm not on my own. You are here. You've promised, Father. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I believe it, Father. You're here in this situation like Jesus in the same boat as the disciples. As I said to Mick this morning, we're fellows in the same ship. I said, the only trouble is the bloke over there has drilled a hole under his seat and he doesn't realise that it's affecting all of us. <laughs> confidence we need to develop confidence in God confidence that he's for us not against us we only have one enemy and that is the enemy people are not our enemy situations aren't our enemy they're there to help us grow 
Father, let me grow through this, not just go through it. Gets an answer every time. I've got a prayer in the front of my um, Bible here. It was said to have been written uh, by an African pastor who was overwhelmed by rebels who demanded that he renounce his faith. He refused. <clears throat> the night before they took his life, he wrote the following lines on a scrap of paper. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, chintzy giving and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognised, praised, regarded or rewarded. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer and labour by power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, diluted or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the praise of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up or burn up till I've preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up and stayed up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know and work till he stops. And when he comes to get his own, he'll have no problems recognising me. My colours will be clear. And the little prayer at the bottom, the, the uh, scripture at the top is, I urge you therefore by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, Romans 12.1. And the uh, little prayer at the bottom, Lord develop in me the perseverance and faithfulness to pursue your goal for my life, even in the face of rejection. We have to make some decisions sometimes. Um, they're just between you and him. I don't know about you, but when I'm up against it, as I said to you about the way the mind starts to find little avenues of escape, and one of the things I found bombarding my mind last night uh, was, you don't have to, you don't have to go this way, you don't have to walk this way. And I thought, hello, hello, I've heard that before. You can hop off. The night before I got baptised, um, many, many years ago, I was still painting at that time. And on the top of the easel was this entity. And it was, I was hanging on to the easel there, and it's saying, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to go that way. You can still pick up everything you've been doing. You don't have to go. It's going to be too costly. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. And I remember hanging on to the doorpost and saying, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. This was the night before I got baptised. Battle, royal going on. Every step of the way, human opposition, demonic opposition, you get to choose, but you get to know that voice, that little, you don't know, yeah, just, yeah don't 
don't too much. Nobody else is doing it. Don't you know? Just trying to rob you of your inheritance. That's all. So we have to be done with smooth knees and easy walking. We're going out onto the battlefield, and we need everything that's coming against us right now. We need it, beloved, to toughen us up. Not so that we become hardened or calloused in our hearts. Quite the reverse. It's so that we are bold, fearless and invincible in the face of anything because God is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. It isn't words any longer. It's flesh on us. We're living it and loving it because he's with us and our hearts are always open and always full. We will get hurt. We will get taken for a ride. We will get trodden on, but we can get healed. You will have people taking advantage of you. Happens all the time. <clears throat> you will get fleeced, as they say. Let them. You cannot be an overcomer unless you've got something to overcome. He who dwells in the secret place of the Spirit shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And as I said, we're going to do a reflective time this afternoon. Probably the first bit we'll do that before we ever soak. So it's life in the spirit, in the midst of trouble, warfare, battle, enemy activity, human opposition. He who dwells in the secret place shall abide, will rest, stay under <coughs> his shadow. Something changes in you when you're in that place and you say with the, with the psalmist, I will say of the Lord, is my refuge, my fortress. He's a refuge and a fortress and they're two different things. You go into your refuge and you come out of your fortress. You stay in your refuge until he tells you to go out. He's your hiding place. He's given us a hiding place from both men and the enemy. And he will deliver us from men. Psalm 31, 19 and 20. One of my favourites. Verses 19 and 20. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of men. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. I don't know what a pavilion is, but I love the idea of it. I love the idea of being pavilioned, whatever it is. Graham talks about, and I've experienced it once, um, when it, he was on a, a vision or a dream. And in this dream, he was uh, on the battlefield. The enemy's lined up against him here and coming towards him fast. He's got his hand on his sword and he finds himself in like this gossamer tent and the Holy Spirit is behind him and the enemy's coming his hand keeps going for his sword be still they're coming close be still keep putting his hand on the sword because they're getting so close he wants his weapon out you know be still they come right up to this pavilion and they part and go round it they can't see him hidden 
in the secret place. As I say, I've experienced it once. It was absolutely amazing. See this lot coming at you, and round they go. Brilliant. Where have I got? Psalm 31. Pavilion. I love the word pavilion. I've got. I don't know if you do this. I've got all sorts of dates and things all over my written all over my Bible where these things I actually lived. I've got here 2003, three, 2000. And two, two thousand and three, two thousand and six, two thousand and four. <laughs> Written all over. Sea journal. <laughs> it it is just so brilliant. And then I've got arrows across to Psalm thirty two, uh, verse six and seven. For this cause everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. They become flesh on you. You've lived them. You know that he will keep you. Secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. I've known this strife of tongues known the keeping power of God knowing nothing about the tongues raised against me for, until many many years later it just hit me I had no idea just quietly getting on with what he told us to do and unknowing there was tongues but I was hidden secretly in his pavilion so I didn't know until we experience it it's academic book learning a friend of mine, I think I told you, had the Lord say to him recently, I don't want you teaching any more on things you haven't experienced. I thought he was quite bold to say that to me, because up until that point I thought he was teaching from his experience. <laughs> but he apparently wasn't. Uh, he's gone very quiet since. <laughs> My pastor, David, David, he used to say to me, the trouble with you is, you teach out your experience all the time. And I thought, well, what else can you teach out of? It's no good just book learning. You've got to have lived these things. You can't come to someone and say, well, this is how you should be doing it. Because <clears throat> you haven't actually been there, have you? So in the secret place of God's presence, he's set aside this thing, this pavilion. I bet it's an ice cream pavilion. <clears throat> That's so like him to hide you from men when you're living in your spirit man no one can touch you there evil speaking doesn't affect you and you can move easily and comfortably in the opposite spirit you can bless your enemies and you can pray for them somewhere it says on their part you are evil spoken of I think it's in James somewhere um, but you bless them you don't defend yourself if you do that he can't be your defender don't bother to fight for your rights. Let him do it. He will vindicate you. And when he does, as I said yesterday, I think, you won't care one day, one way or the other. It's no victory. You're living in a different place, moving in the opposite spirit. Because the only way you can defend yourself is by accusing someone else. And if you meet accusation with accusation, you're doing the work of the accuser. No defence, no attack. I learnt that lesson earlier on as well. So don't excuse yourself, don't defend yourself, be at peace. Let him be the one that fights for you. 
if you happen to be asking to be like Jesus, a very bold prayer, <coughs> Lord make me like Jesus, we sing it sometimes, don't we? You will experience what he experienced. It's the Calvary road. Like a sheep before its shearers, he opened not his mouth. Dumb. But a good kind of dumbness. He was fleeced, he was stripped. So will you be. If you really want to be like him, he will say to you, I need you to go through this. There was something happened over the Christmas time and when I prayed about it, because I was in pain at the time, physical pain, it was a physical thing, and he said, I need, I need you to go through this. Smile. Okay. Smile. I'm smiling. How long? <laughs> but he took me through it. What I'm realising with this whole thing with Joyce is, as I'm preparing this and seeing what he's brought me through, that this is just a deeper level. This is just a bigger problem had the problems before they seemed huge when I came up against them but been through those so now this is a bigger one and he'll bring us through this as well however he chooses I came to the conclusion last night that I was going to cast my care which meant that however this thing comes out that is okay because you can't cast your care Joyce Mayer says until you're satisfied with the outcome if you're still trying to pray prayers that will affect the outcome you're not casting your care. You've got to cast it in such a way that you say, Father, whatever way you think best, and casting your care is the word ekbalo, it's like a wrestling term for throwing your opponent to the floor. That's powerful. So you throw your cares to the floor. You just get them in a wrestling thing and you pin them. Three holds a submission or a knockout, you know. You've got them down. So it's really quite interesting because that again is a discipline to cast your cares and come to the place where you say, not my will, Father, but yours. That's the top and bottom of it. I remember before I had Stephen, I had had religious experiences. I had gone forward at a Billy Graham meeting when he first came to this country. I must have been about 15. Um, I went forward then. But after I'd lost the baby and, and I was applying for a child, I went into a church in Bexley, St John's I think it is, on the way down to Bexley Village. And I just knelt down and said, not my will but yours. And let go of the whole thing. So even then, God was at work in my life, you know, before I got Stephen. And some of you know the story of it, which was totally miraculous. Not now. Um, totally miraculous, the way that that happened. So he needs you and needs us to go through it. He will say, as you ask to be delivered, there's always a higher purpose. As I said, we've been frequently spoken about in the ministry and I've just blessed them. And not only bless them, but speak well of them. Have you ever had him answer a prayer, but not in the way you expected? To be like Jesus, we have to go through this sort of thing. It's Paul again. I might get a better resurrection it's hard because the flesh doesn't like it the flesh always wants deliverance get me out of here how quick can I get through this and back to normal life that is how my instinct is with what I'm in at the moment okay well how soon can we resume normal service you know you're immediately wanting to get past this difficulty 
but you have to come to the place where it rests in the difficulty. No such thing for us. Normal life. Don't want to be normal. Don't go there. Live in the spirit. Time will come when God decides you are in favour and no one can do anything against you. He's got everything covered. Be at rest. He's absolutely in control. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, God is absolutely taking care of everything. And he would go out for a walk, and if his hat blew off and it was too windy, he would turn around and say, I need to go back, I must keep my head covered, because his hat had blown into the river. <laughs> and back he'd go. You know the story of uh, Smith Wigglesworth's death, do you? He was well into his 80s. And uh, you know of him, of course, massive... Uh, ministry of, of healing and, and deliverance early last century and um, he was apparently in, in uh, the, the back hall of a, of a church somewhere warming himself by the fire and uh, the, the friend of his had his back to him and Smith was sitting in the chair and Smith just said to him well how's your son these days then and the man started to answer him and when he turned around Smith was gone just taking him home just like that I like right in mid-sentence. Uh, we need to live in the favour of God and not defend ourselves from situations and people for there's a pavilion that God has set aside for you well away from the strife of tongues. Another favourite of mine, Psalm 27. My one's head is up. Trust in the Lord and don't be afraid. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble he shall side me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. And verse 6 is nice. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies all around me, Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. They become flesh on you. He's our refuge. It's personal. You have your own personal hideaway. Thank you, Father. You're my refuge. You're my hiding place. All the places where trouble is hiding in wait for me, you are my refuge. I know that there is a place in the spirit where nothing can touch us, and I'm on my way to that. And by the situations and circumstances in which I find myself, I'm getting pressed deeper and deeper into that secret place. But the way we enter in is through the door marked tribulation and trouble, and sometimes sickness. That is our entry point. We make the choice to step back into God and let him cover us. In that place, he's got you covered. But you have to make the choice to step into your refuge and let him cover you. Now you see why I 
grinned so much about the song that Esther sang. It was just absolutely all this about being covered in your refuge, surrounded by the Lord, Him being a shield. Just absolutely amazing. Spirit speaks the same thing. Psalm 32, 7. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. I'll play it for you later, but uh, a, a man called Joe King, um, his wife apparently was rabidly anti-charismatic and left him. The church threw him out when he got baptised in the spirit and he was a musician-songwriter. Uh, so he's lost his wife, he's lost his church, she took the children with her and he was suicidal. And Graham was at a meeting with him uh, and he was in the audience and God spoke to Graham and said that man there, you know, third row down, fourth seat in and told him about the history, he's suicidal. So God, Graham said, call him out. He said, I can't say that to him, Father. What do you want to say? So he said, tell him I'm going to sing over him. Um, and it just had no effect on Joe at all. I mean, naturally, he was in the pits, so he heard what Graham said, but it didn't go anywhere. And about three nights later, he woke with an audible voice singing over him. Mm -hmm. And I'll play it for you in a moment. The song that saved his life. And it saved the lives of thousands and thousands of people. So he hears this voice. And he lays there listening to it, singing over him. So he got up, went downstairs. He wrote it down. And the music as well. He never changed a note or the words. Uh, and it's just exactly the same as when God gave it to him. And this actually saved him um, from suicide. I'll play it for you. Lovely. So the Holy Spirit always takes over in trouble when you give him the opportunity. Psalm 91, when you come to look at it, contains an incredible language of protection. Secret place, shadow, fortress, refuge, shield, buckler, all there. Only thing, you have to have a day of trouble to experience it. God will always deliver you from the strife of tongues, from evil men and plotting people. He will deliver you from the enemy. Psalm 17. Headed up in my Bible, funnily enough, hide me under the shadow of your wings. And verse 6. I have called upon you, for you will heal me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Oh, look at that. Verse 7. Show your marvellous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. He will do it, you see. I've called upon you. You will hear me. Incline your ear. You who save those who trust in you. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises something on the inside. And that's where it comes. He raises it on the inside. A strength rises. He's wonderful. God loves the day of trouble, and sometimes he makes it. As Alison has said, he's a loose cannon. You know, it rolled about the ship, and of course if you were soldiers, sailors there, trying to put, load the cannons up, and there's one under your feet, you're going to go flying, aren't you? Rolling about there. There we go. 
And it's a cannon, it's not the cannonball, is it? Thinking on, it's the cannon, which is a huge piece of equipment. It could kill them off, couldn't it? Slide that, make a hole in the side of the boat, everything. That's it. Someone's sitting there and drilled a hole under the boat, under his place. That was a story that I heard somewhere. I think it was Jack Frost. This story about these guys all going out fishing. It was just a story. And they, they got stuck, the motor had run out, no petrol, DDD. So they're all trying to think and pray and find out what to do and suddenly one of them gets a drill out and starts drilling a hole in the bottom of the boat because he had a prophetic word that that's what God told him to do. Little realising that it would affect the rest of the people in the, in the boat. <laughs> right, so we serve a warrior king. Jesus loves a good fight. But he always says, stand still and see the salvation of your God. I will fight for you. He will fight for you. We have to learn to take a step back so he can take a step forward in us. It's like the weather people, isn't it? One in, one out. You step back, he steps forward. There's a place in God where he's drawing us, where we can see from his perspective and be at rest and at peace all the time. It's our inheritance to come into that rest. Hebrews 4 says there remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Why didn't they enter in? Because of unbelief. They lived in their flesh pots, only wanting their fleshly desires gratified and never seeing the opportunity that God held out to them to be a people for his inheritance, his treasured possession. So what's God holding out to you right now? Ask him. Your homework for today again if you haven't done it. What does he want to be for you in this season? Ask him. We have to realise that we are his inheritance, his treasured possession, a kingdom of priests unto our God. To begin to live from a different place, to survey a different landscape, to come into our promised land, to live in the land of promises. That's not about getting your needs met. That's automatic. He knows what you need and he's more than ready to supply. This goes beyond survival needs. This is kingdom living. Living as much loved children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Coming into his kingdom purposes for our lives. Living a life less ordinary under the shelter of the Most High. And there are successive levels of consecration that God will bring to us. Breakings, the old saints used to call them. And as I said earlier on, one of Chris Larkin's recent words calls them tolls that you have to pay on the road. I think it's the two pathways, that every road has its tolls that you have to pay. He can't use you unless you allow him to break up the fallow ground of your heart. He wants you to become broken bread and poured out wine for those around you. The definition of fellowship, the Greek word is koinonia, Break a piece of yourself off and give it to me. How much are you prepared to be that? How far are you prepared to walk with him? Challenge and change are part of the journey, beloved. Determine to live a life less ordinary. Someone has to. It is possible to drink from the river and die in the wilderness. The children of Israel did. Whole generations saw the miracles, saw the provision, never came into the land of promise. God had to raise up a whole new generation who were prepared to move in, take the ground and hold it. Two things. One thing is to take the ground. Totally different thing to hold it. 
you can take it and lose it. This isn't mundane stuff. This is the stuff that dreams are made of. God is dreaming over you. Why not ask him what his dream is for you? When the enemy comes at you like a flood, something rises on the inside. You may be knocked sideways for a moment, but like that weeble, you come right up. One way or the other, God is going to teach us to learn to live out of our spirit. Circumstances are just the tool that God uses for this to be perfected in us. Nothing can come at us unless God allows it, and if he allows it, there's something in it for us because he's redemptive all the time. This is the transformation, the inner man. And get your fear in the right place. If you fear God, you will not fear anything else. God is our hiding place from evil at all times. Learn to run to him. Take refuge in him. He alone is your rock. Look at the promises of deliverance in Psalm 91. But as I said, if he doesn't deliver you, he's promised to keep you. He who keeps Israel never slumbers or sleeps. Keeper or deliverer, need to find out. Psalm 121 verse 5 the Lord is your keeper. And Colossians 3, 1 to 3, this is where we're hidden with Christ in God. Same deal. Christ is the ark. He is our hiding place. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Double wrapped. Protected. Safe. In the presence of God. Where we're going, we need to know that we have this level of protection. We need to know that God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. Flesh on us. I'm getting the picture of uh, like, you know, when they radioactive and they wear these suits, like plastic suits, they're covered from head to foot to be protected from radi radiation. And it's like that. We've got to be absolutely clothed in it. When my enemies came against me to eat up my flesh, then what? Psalm 27.3 in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. Therefore will I offer sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. That's where he's bringing us, beloved. God bless you. Thank you for listening.